Welcome to A Crash Investigation, the podcast, the show where we discuss and dissect prominent crashes in aviation history. I am your host, Rosanna Kakai, and as you can tell by the title of this episode, we will be talking about the doomed flight, American Airlines Flight 191. This might be a long one, this might not be a long one, depending, but like if you're listening to us on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you are listening to us on a podcast listening platform such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, I do not know other ones, Google Podcasts, then don't forget to give us five stars and follow us there, not to miss an episode. Also, as you can tell, the sound is a bit different. We finally got a mic. I hope it is doing the things and i hope that my speech is more clear but without wasting any more of your time let us get into it it is the greatest aviation mystery of all time lies a massive passenger jet and the remains of its 239 passengers and crew uh, good morning we have a smoke uh, problem and we're doing emergency descent to level 115-140. In December 1988, a passenger airliner was bombed over Scotland in what was one of the largest pre-9-11 terrorist attacks. American Airlines Flight 191 was a scheduled flight for the 25th of May 1979. This flight was from Chicago O'Hare International Airport, Chicago, Illinois, and its destination was LAX International Airport, Los Angeles, California. The airplane used was the McDonnell Douglas DC-10. The call sign was American 191. The crew and passengers. The captain of this flight was Walter H. Lux, who was 53 years old. He joined American Airlines on the 1st of November 1950. Captain Lux became a captain of the DC-10 on the 15th of December 1971. In total, Captain Lux obtained 22,500 flight hours with 3,000 of those hours on the DC-10. Lux was required to, and I quote, have available glasses for near vision while flying, end quote. The first officer of this flight was James R. Dillard, who was 49 years old at the time of the crash. James joined American Airlines on the 20th of June, 1966. In total, First Officer Dillard obtained 9,275 flight hours with 1,080 hours as a first officer on the DC-10. First Officer Dillard was required to, and I quote, wear lenses that correct for distant vision and possess glasses that correct for near vision whilst exercising the privileges of his airman certificate, end quote. Finally, the flight engineer was Alfred F. Udovich, who was 58 years old at the time of the crash. He joined American Airlines on the 10th of January 1955. In total, flight engineer Udovich obtained 15,000 flight hours with 750 hours as a flight engineer on the DC-10. Flight engineer Udovich was required to, and I quote, wear correcting glasses while exercising the privileges of his airman certificate, end quote. In total, there were 258 passengers on board and 10 flight attendants. The flight. Now, for the sake of this flight, we'll be using Central Daylight Time, or CDT, so don't get confused. 
At 1 minute to 3 p.m. CDT, American Flight 191 was granted permission to taxi from their designated gate at Chicago O'Hare International Airport. American Flight 191 was cleared to take off at 2 minutes past 3 CDT from runway 32 right. Captain Lux confirmed that they were taxiing by saying, American 191 underway. As soon as he said that, Captain Lux made the V1 and VR speed callouts. After this, the crew started to initiate the takeoff row and this basically means rotate. However, as soon as he called out rotate, the section of the number one engine or left engine pylon structure came off the plane. Witnesses recalled seeing white smoke or vapor coming from the vicinity of the fallen engine number one. Imagine being a passenger on that flight. I would be so scared. American 191 reached a total altitude of 300 feet or 91,44 meters before banking to the left and pitching nose down. American Flight 191 crashed into an open field and trailer park that was in front of the runway. The aircraft itself was totally destroyed on impact which resulted in an explosion and subsequent fire. Everyone on board died. Two people on the ground died and two more people on the ground suffered severe burns. This crash received nationwide media coverage in the United States and everyone wanted to know the cause of the crash. The crash site. The National Transportation Safety Board NTSB was in charge of the investigation seeing as though the crash happened on the US soil. American Flight 191 struck the ground left wing first. When the investigators got there, they discovered that the plane was severely damaged. The bolts that held the upper plates of the bulkhead that held the engine in place were missing. The flaps were at 10 degrees and the gear was nose down and locked because the plane was taking off. A supervisor of American Airlines, Robert Graham, said, and I quote, As soon as the aircraft got closer, I noticed what appeared to be vapor or smoke of some type coming from the leading edge of the wing and the number one engine pylon. I noticed that the number one engine was bouncing up and down quite a bit and just about the time the aircraft got opposite my position and started rotation, the engine came off, went up over the top of the wing and rolled back down onto the runway. Before going over the wing, the engine went forward and up just as if it had lift and was actually climbing. It didn't strike the top of the wing on its way, rather it followed the clear path of the airflow of the wing up and over the top of it, then down below the trail." End quote. Now when the CVR was found, the investigators discovered that the recording was incomplete due to the loss of electrical power during rotation. The FDR tapes were broken and the FDR itself was structurally damaged. However, luckily there was no evidence of heat or fire damage. Meteorological information. The weather at the airport was clear and safe enough for an aeroplane to take off. Furthermore, there was no evidence of pilot error. The study of the photographs. Two cameras that took pictures of the DC-10 whilst it was trying to lift off were heavily relied on by the investigators. The pictures were sent to the Lockheed's Palo Alto Research Lab for photo image enhancement. The observations that were made were for Number one, the tail assembly was not damaged. Number two, the nose gear was down during the initial climb out and before the onset of the roll. 
Number three, spoilers number one, three, and five were extended on the right wing. And number four, the trailing edge of the right wing in board aileron was up. End quote. Now the metallurgical examinations. The National Transportation Safety Board discovered that there was a fracture on the upper forward flank that was 10 inches long or 25,4 centimeters. Now they discovered that this fracture was due to overstress and here I'm going to quote from the final report again. Application of a downward bending movement at the center section of the flank just forward of the fracture plane, end quote. Now the fracture was actually free from any oxidation or dirt. Also, they discovered that there was fatigue cracking within the actual fracture. And they also discovered that the total length of the whole fracture not just the 10 inches was actually 13 inches or 33,02 centimeters that is very very long i mean that's like the length of a ruler plus some more so that is actually quite concerning now the fracture within the pylon of the engine was due to overloading of the aircraft further examination showed that three shims were installed on the upper surface of the flank to try and fix the fracture but you cannot fix the fracture with just putting more weight onto the fracture now after the accident the federal aviation administration required and i quote a fleet-wide inspection of the gc-10s End quote. Now this resulted in, and I quote, during these inspections, discrepancies were found in the pilot assemblies, end quote. Now these discrepancies were found in two continental airline planes and four American airline DC-10s. All of these were DC-10s. So this was an immediate red flag to all of the investigators, basically symbolizing and showing that there was a nationwide problem within the DC-10s and the lack of maintenance of them. Now the airline carrier maintenance. On the 31st of May 1975 and on the 1st of February 1979, the McDonnell Douglas Company issued bulletins to all of these airlines that use DC-10s and these bulletins said and I quote service bulletins 54 to 59 called for the replacement of the pylon forward bulkheads upper and lower spherical bearings and contained procedures for accomplishing the maintenance end quote now the McDonnell Douglas Field Services representative said and I quote Douglas would not encourage this procedure due to the element of risk involved in the remating of the combined engine and pylon assembly to the wing attached points end quote now this is a second red flag because it kind of shows that even though McDonnell Douglas did their job in terms of telling all of these airlines that yo you should replace you should maintain the pylon structure the bulkhead of one of the most important parts of an airplane which is the engine but at the same time they would be like yeah don't do this procedure because it is dangerous and you just shouldn't do it just use the airplane as it is right now but that is not all american airlines the company decided to lower the engine pilot and the american airlines maintenance was struggling with moving the pylon but eventually it was done but the question is was it done properly now here i'm going to be reading the findings that the national transportation safety board found in terms of this flight and here we go the engine and pylon assembly separated either at or immediately after liftoff the crew was committed to continue takeoff as they should 
the pilots started to separate in forward flank. Separation caused by, and I quote, a complete failure of the forward flank of the bulkhead after its residual strength had been critically reduced by the fracture and subsequent service life, end quote. The overload fracture and fatigue cracking was on the pilot's upper flank only. All electrical power was lost after the pilot separated. The captain's flight director instrument stall warning system and slot disagreement warnings were inoperative, therefore they would not know whether or not the engine fell off the plane. The crew could not see the wings and the engine from the cockpit. The loss of power led to them not receiving an electronic warning as I've said before. And finally, and I quote, the pilot was damaged during maintenance performed on the accident aircraft at American Airlines' maintenance facility at Tulsa, Oklahoma on March the 29th and the 30th, 1979, end quote. Basically, what I'm saying is they tried to lower the engine and somehow, somewhere, they fractured the bulkhead of the engine, which is one of the most important parts. It keeps the engine on the plane and they decided not to fix it, which thus resulted in the engine falling off of the plane during takeoff as they were going like really high speeds so technically it's maintenance error and i'm just going to finalize this episode by reading you the probable cause of the accident here we go and i am quoting the probable cause of this accident was the asymmetrical stall and ensuring roll of the aircraft because of the uncommanded retraction of the left wing outboard leading edge slats and loss of stall warning and slat disagreement indication systems resulting from maintenance induced damage leading to the separation of the number one engine and pilot assembly at a critical point during takeoff end quote now the contributing causes were vulnerability of the design of the pylon attach points, the vulnerability of the design of leading edge system, the deficiencies in the Federal Aviation Administration surveillance and reporting systems as they failed to detect improper maintenance procedures, the deficiencies in practices among operators, manufacturers and all other airlines. And finally, the failure of the Federal Aviation Administration, and I quote, to determine and decimate the particulars regarding previous maintenance damage incidents, end quote. Now the recommendations. So the NTSB, after this crash and subsequent investigation, decided to give out recommendations to all airlines and sometimes themselves. Now they go as follows. Number one, and I quote, issue immediately an emergency airworthiness directive to inspect all pylon attached points on all DC-10 aircraft's approved inspection methods, end quote. Number two, issue a telegraphic airworthiness directive to require an immediate inspection of all DC-10 aircraft in which an engine pylon assembly has been removed and reinstalled for damage to the wing-mounted pylon AF T bulkhead, including its forward flank and attaching spar web and fasteners. Require removal of any sealant which may hide a crack in the flank area and employ eddy current or other approved techniques to ensure detection of such damage. Number three, issue a maintenance alert bulletin directing FAA maintenance inspectors to contact their assigned carriers and advise them to immediately discontinue the practice of lowering and raising the pylon with the engine still attached. 
Carriers should adhere to the procedure recommended by the Douglas Aircraft Company Service Bulletin, which include removal of the engine from the pylon before removing the pylon from the wing. Number four, initiate and continue strict and comprehensive surveillance efforts in the following areas. A. Manufacturer's quality control programs to assure full compliance with approved manufacturing and process specifications and b manufacturer service difficulty and service information collection and dissemination systems to assure that all reported service problems are properly analyzed and disseminated to users of the equipment and that appropriate and timely corrective actions are effected this program should include full view and specific faa approval of service bulletins which may affect the safety of flight and finally number five assure that the maintenance review board fully considers the following elements when it approves an airline manufacturer's maintenance program a hazard analysis of maintenance procedures which involve removal installation or work in the vicinity of structurally significant components in order to identify and eliminate the risk of damage to those components b special inspections of structurally significant components following maintenance affecting these components and c the appropriateness of permitting and i quote on condition maintenance and in particular the validity of sampling inspection as it relates to the detection of damage which could result from undetected flaws or damage to structurally significant elements during manufacture or maintenance end quote now that is the end of today's episode this is short compared to last week's or the week before last episode but overall this was a really short flight therefore it would have been a short episode of course don't forget to like and subscribe if you're listening to us on youtube and if you're listening to us on a podcast listening platform such as spotify apple Podcasts, and google Podcasts, and others then don't forget to rate us five stars and follow us not to miss a new episode but either way thank you so much for listening and i'll catch you in the next one cheers